Welcome on into the Baseball Insiders on this beautiful Monday. Happy to have you. One week ago, fan side, it's MLB insider Robert Murray and myself, Adam Weinerb. We're hunkering down for the last 24 hours of a relentless trade deadline. Now, less than a week later, it already feels like there are a few teams who wish that that date was not in their rearview mirror and here to break it all down for me, as well as, of course, Two middle infielders punching each other is Robert Murray. Robert, how you doing, man? I'm great, man. We're not going to punch each other today, so that's always that's always a good thing. Uh, but how about that that kerfuffle? I had, I had to use that word in the first minute of the show, but uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. But I'm great, man. How are you? Good to be here with you. Good to be here. Yeah, we will certainly talk kerfuffle in a little bit. And uh, if anybody uh, who follows both of us on Twitter checks the uh, tweets that we put out before the show. Yeah, we both said it. We both said kerfuffle. So it is what it is. Um, if you are uh, if you are here today uh, for the first time or are a user, a viewer, a watcher, a listener who likes the show, uh, we have a special offer for you. Of course, we always do. If you have not signed up for DraftKings yet, you can sign up as a new user with our code that code is baseball insider at sign up singular as in one baseball insider that code is on the screen right now that promo code so make sure to follow that if you're a new user and you use that code you can receive 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly after following just three steps create an account deposit then wager five dollars or more on any sport whether your first wager wins or loses you will still receive the 150 dollars in bonus bets all you have to do is use the code Baseball Insider when you sign up. It not only gets you the bonus, it supports the podcast. If you are considering signing up for DraftKings, I cannot think of a better way to do so than by using the code Baseball Insider to maximize your first bets. This offer is available for new customers who are 21 plus physically present legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. And if you are with us, 3.30 Eastern, as always, uh, when we are always live, again, we are on uh, YouTube and all audio feeds that you uh, frequent. Um, if you're joining us now and you, you got questions, you want to pop questions in the chat and you uh, you want to get your questions in ahead of time, become a member of our YouTube channel. Join the Discord to get your questions in for Robert and myself ahead of schedule so we're able to address them in the chat. Special access. Uh, basically, just get a leg up on the competition. So if that interests you, we welcome you to the fray. Uh, now let's talk post-trade deadline wrap-up. Robert, um, and when talking, you know, obviously we don't know, and you know, we, we can't do winners and losers. We, we try to do home runs and immediate whiffs last week as the quick reaction. Uh, we don't know where these teams are going to be long term, but there are very obviously some major league baseball teams that are regretting the way they handled last week's buzzer. And I think it's safe to already say that about Look, I said it about a couple of teams. You added a few more. It seems like the, the list just keeps going on and on. It, it does keep going on and on and on. But I honestly think you can't start that conversation without talking about the Los Angeles Angels right now. It has been – they went all in. Uh, they kept Shohei Otani. They acquired Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, uh, Dominic Leone, um, CJ Crone, Randall Grichuk, Moustakis, and Eduardo Escobar. I think I got all of them there. And those are all in moves because most of those guys are signed to one-year contracts. And they wanted one last bite at the apple while Otani was guaranteed to be on the roster at a postseason run. It has gone about as badly as they could have ever imagined. They are 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. 
They are what 56 and 57 fourth place in their division. They're falling far out of the wild card race as well. Uh, there's a few teams ahead of them as a two. And this is about as bad as Artie Moreno and Perry Manassian could have ever envisioned it going. Uh, obviously there's quite a bit of season left. There's about 50 games. So they got plenty of time to turn it around, but it's been a failure. And if it continues trending this way um, and they miss the postseason, then Otani is very likely gone and they could end up being in a really precarious position here because had they traded Otani last deadline or this deadline, um, they could have gotten a sizable haul of prospects. And if he leaves as a free agent now, they're going to get a draft pick and that's not going to do much for their future. And that was a gamble that they took. They went all in for a reason because they wanted to win, but Right now, it's blown up in their face and their long-term outlook. If it continues this, if it continues this way, it could be, could be troubling. That is putting it lightly. Yeah, I uh, didn't like. Uh, I, I don't think that the draft pick they get as compensation for losing Shohei Otani will be Shohei Otani. Uh, spoiler alert: I don't think that person will develop into a two-way megastar. Uh, I actually, I, I'm on record. I can't pretend. I can't, I will not run from this take. I thought I, I endorsed the team's decision to go for it at this year's deadline because no. I thought they should have traded Otani last summer. And mm-hmm. so once you're in the race this year, uh, it's certainly impossible for them to have really done more. You want a big ticket pitcher, Giolito. You no. want foundational veterans, Escobar's a great clubhouse guy, Bustakis, and they got them early. Like they got these guys in here early, they gave themselves a chance. Once they got them in the room, they didn't decide to go half measure. We buy, we sell, we trade Hunter Renfro. We, you know, they, they just said, we are buying. We have the best player on planet Earth. And the way that we make the rest of the season as pleasant as possible is by adding pieces around Shohei Otani. And of course, I have to eat crow already because it did not work at all. And they're somehow worse than ever. Yeah, they are worse than ever. And you know what? Like at the time of them doing that, I was, I was also a fan of them doing it too because I thought it was – it was good for the game. I thought the Angels being in the postseason with Otani and Trout would be a really good thing. And now it appears they're trending in the direction that they've been like the last few years of just they were treading water and all of a sudden just like they ended up missing the postseason. They, they have plenty of time to prove me wrong. But the point that you said that the Angels should have traded Otani last year, you're dead on with that. And I've, I've had countless executives in the last figure, last few months, tell me had they traded Otani – at last year's deadline, they would have gotten a haul that would have exceeded the Juan Soto package uh, that the Padres gave up to the Nationals. It would have been an astronomical haul. It would have been franchise altering for the Angels. Obviously, it would have been tough to trade Otani and like part with the best player, arguably, in baseball history. But it would have positioned, positioned themselves for about a, a sustainable run with some really talented players. And they missed out on it, and it could really come back to bite them in the ass. It's funny you wonder you mentioned the Soto package. You wonder if they didn't pull off an Otani trade last summer because they were like, well, this is the summer of Juan Soto. Like, are, are we really going to get two blockbusters like this in one year? Uh, but then again, you know, nothing but the, the, the cost of a half year of Otani is not comparable to the cost of a year and a half of Otani. No, exactly. And it's it's last year, like not not this year, but last year. The Angels did, in fact, listen on Otani. They were talking to other teams. And I remember talking to one of my most plugged-in front office executives friends. And he told me there is a chance that Otani goes. And 
I could not believe it. And all of a sudden, like, I couldn't believe it, but I could believe it because the source is that strong. Um, and all of a sudden he called me a few days later and he was like, there's now no chance he gets moved. And you can basically read between the lines there. Artie Moreno um, would have seemingly put the kibosh on any potential Otani trade because he just does not want to be the owner or did not want to be the owner who was responsible for trading that great and like that impactful player in major league history. Like just not something he ever wanted to do. I tell you this too. I wonder as that we, we obviously need to talk about the Yankees and the Red Sox here as well. And in terms of teams that either do or should regret the way that they handled the trade deadline. Um, I know what the Red Sox are doing. I know that they don't view this as a contention year, but Sometimes you have to react to what actually happened instead of reacting to your preseason plan. I know what the Yankees are doing. They've got onerous contracts, and if the people don't play to the backs of their baseball cards, they'll lose anyway. I get that. Brian Cashman claimed they were all in it to win it this year. They added no one. That makes no sense. Then they actually played okay against the Astros, so you feel like you maybe kind of regret that. Before we uh, rip the AL East, I do wonder, in 2012 when the Red Sox were underwater, with these big contracts, Adrian Gonzalez, Carl Crawford, Josh Beckett, the 2012 Dodgers just go, they don't even take prospects with them. They're just like, we'll take your money. We need stars. Um, And I'm like, man, nobody would do that anymore, except for maybe the Angels if they lose Otani this offseason. It's going to take prospects. Nobody just does, hey, we'll take your bad players and your money, like the 2012 Dodgers. But if the Yankees give the Angels Giancarlo Stanton, Oswald Peraza, and another top prospect, like there may be no other team on earth who wants the Stanton star power, but like the Angels are the only one that comes to mind. It's a fair thought. And I think that ended up be something, or that would be something that the the Yankees firmly need to explore because if they don't do that, if they don't part with a, a big contract like a Stanton or a Josh Donaldson, uh, I don't wait. Donaldson's not a free agent at the end of the year, is he? He is. He's got some sort of mutual option that, spoiler alert, I don't think it's going to get picked up. But no. Anthony, Anthony Rizzo's under contract, Stanton's under contract, LeMahieu's under contract. But it's harder to sell, like, the star power of DJ LeMahieu does not blow you away. Stanton, no. California, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a fair thought, but they have to. The Yankees, they have to do something to clear up some sort of payroll room because the roster as it's currently constructed now, it's just not working, and they have to get uncomfortable uh, with that roster or even with their decisions that they make in the offseason. If it's Brian Cashman or Aaron Boone or the roster, like whatever it is, they need to take the like a real long look at themselves in the mirror and figure out what the hell is going wrong because the Yankees, as they are currently going. This is not the Yankees team that we have gotten to see over the last 20 years. It's just a, a complete mess. And this trade deadline really showed it. And um, they got a lot of work to do. But parting with one of those big contracts, if they can get rid of Stanton, that has to be one of their top priorities, if not the top priority. Yeah, Jason Parker in the comments, who's the worst contract between Stanton, DJ, and Rodon? I mean, I don't want to throw Rodon in there, mostly because he makes me sad. It's been like six starts, and he's been injured all year. So yeah. that should serve. I mean, you could say that serves as evidence why it's a terrible contract, but I still believe in him long term. He's still slinging 97. The command just is not there. Give him a full season. I'm not going to say the next five years are going to be terrible because of what I just watched. That said, 
Uh, the, Stanton provides power. He's slightly above average offensively, but he's never on the field. DJ, I figure at worst, is an okay bench player. But May, June proved that there might be he, he might be worse than that. So I think LeMahieu might be the worst contract of those three. Yeah, and I'll tell you, like, the best of ability is availability. And Stanton has not proved that basically throughout most of his Yankees tenure. And I, I think that's that's an issue, especially with how much he's being paid. Uh, the Rodon thing, it's it's sad um, watching how the season has unfolded, especially his last start here where he left the game injured and got booed off the mound. Yeah. That, that, that sucks. Um, that, that, that should not happen. Um, I felt bad for him. It's been a tough year. He knows it. And I just added further salt in the wound. I don't know. I, I think I'll go with Stan as the worst contract just because of its sheer size. Um, but all three of those at this point are not looking that good. Uh, yes. to say the least. Certainly a debate between three uh, good options for this question. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. So, so the Red Sox and Yankees, um, you know, the, we could talk all we want about the New York Yankees. Obviously uh, you got to pick a lane. We've said that as, as often as we can. Um, even if you can't get rid of Stanton or Rizzo or LeMahieu, at least you have to find a way to get something for your veterans or boost the roster that you have. They did not do that. Uh, the Red Sox had an even weirder weekend than the Yankees, if that's possible. Um, uh, you know, Reese McGuire gets doubled off the bag for the final out of Saturday's game. And you're thinking, oh, that's a really bad loss. But after the game, Alex Cora is like, this is the worst day I've ever had in my history of running this program. And you're like, why is he saying that? Alex Verdugo got benched. They didn't use him. No one really knows why. He showed up late. He said he showed up on time. Um this is sort of the third year in a row that in Boston things have gone a little bit sour after the trade deadline. 2021, they regrouped and made an ALCS run. Last year, they did not. This year, they are now five games out of the wild card. Does Bloom continue to, you know, be happy he stayed the course and, and stayed with the long-term vision? Or when Rafael Devers says, we need pitching, and the GM says, no, you don't, like the lingering effects of that, again, not so great. No, the lingering effects of that are not going to be great. Um, I thought Ken Rosenthal wrote it really well this morning and the fact that Bloom can't just continue to tread the water. He's got to go out and do something um, and not just toy between buying and selling because uh, like, like that team, they could have used – they absolutely needed pitching and they – um, when your star player, Rafael Devers, is telling you that we need pitching, you got to go out and get pitching. I know the market was not necessarily flush with options. I know the prices were astronomically high, but they had to do something and they whiffed. Um, and like Bloom is operating the Red Sox as if he's still in Tampa Bay. I know that's a common complaint from fans, from media, from others, and it, it's spot on. And he's got to operate like he's in a, a big market like he is and he came up shorter once again here at the deadline that's two consecutive years it's not as bad of a it's not as big of a failure as it was last year because last year was just a, an abject failure like that was brutal um this year it was still not great but um he they got to do something they almost did the as reported like the justin turner trade with the marlins i don't know what necessarily held that up um but that would have been a real punch to the old gut for that clubhouse because turner's a pretty important figure there um so i don't necessarily know like 
Well, I, I do know that that bloom is being criticized and rightfully so just the pitching options. I don't know what he could have done or who he could have gotten. And at, and, and Justin is asking in the comments here, if these teams held on to their prospects for rentals um, just in order to use them for the off season, I think there could be some sort of truth to that, but I think it was just that the market was had so few options that the, these teams were not willing to give up their, like their, their top prospects in order to acquire these guys. Like we saw Dominic Leone, who was added mid season, go for the angels as number nine overall prospect. Like that is, that shows you how high the prices were. And these teams weren't going to cave because the options just were not that good. So I think that's a reason why the Red Sox and a lot of these teams were relatively inactive uh, at the deadline here. Yeah. There's a rumor out there that the White Sox asked for Brian Bayo in a Dylan Cease trade. Like that's just saying, if that's true, that's just saying we don't want to make a Dylan Cease trade. And you know, it's fine. If Boston wants to give you Brian Bayo for Cease, then, you know, go ahead and jump at the opportunity, but they probably don't. And then those talks probably end. Uh, I know you have a couple more teams that you had in mind here too, uh, for teams that are already looking back on the deadline uh, in the rear view mirror, shaking their fist. Um, I don't know. I wonder if you, if your NL central calculus has changed a little bit after this deadline. Yeah. Like uh, the brewers and the reds, they've both struggled after the deadline here and like, the brewers. I mean, I think they did as much as they could have. Uh, and in this case, like they ended up getting three players, uh, Chafin, Carlos Santana and Mark Hanna, um, like good pieces, but they've struggled since the deadline. Uh, and part of that has to do with their schedule. I, I mean, I, that happens, but they've just struggled overall. I think they'll bounce back, but it's been a relatively weak um, stretch here since the deadline for them. And then you look at the Cincinnati Reds. I know they got criticized pretty heavily for their inactivity and they've struggled um, since the deadline as well. They could have certainly used some other pieces. I know their GM, Nick Crawl was on, on the record and saying that they were comfortable adding um, they were comfortable adding payroll at the deadline if they needed to. And yet, no. And they came up short. And I thought a midseason addition or two in Cincinnati would have done wonders for that clubhouse. But alas, it did not happen that way. Um, and I think once again, you can just point to the high asking prices throughout the league. Like that, Every single person that I talked to at the deadline pointed that to that exact same thing. It's the asking prices for like top, like tier two and three guys was just was astronomically high. And there was really no star players available. I mean, besides Verlander and Scherzer, but um, just, I can't remember as weak of a trade class or trade options class as there was this year and, and any year recently, uh, especially since I've covered baseball. Yeah. And Verlander was available, but was kind of sort of wink, wink only available to the team that he already played for. Um, God damn it. They're very good. Um, couple of trade deadline wrap up questions just because um, I'm not sure how to feel about the Seattle Mariners in general. Um, they've kind of secretly silently been a very good team since early July. If you asked me before the Blue Jays went to Fenway Park and took care of the Red Sox, I would have said that I would have bet on the Red Sox or Mariners being able to surpass the Blue Jays. Red Sox, obviously, and if your situation now, but Seattle kept on winning over the weekend. They're two and a half back. And much like the Cubs previously, their run differential portends that they are a better team than they've shown. 60 and 52 with a Pythagorean of 61 and 51 and a plus 47 run differential. They sold their closer at the deadline 
but also got better. And so right now I kind of have them in, in watch what happens next mode. Cause like, I don't, they definitely don't regret much of anything now. Cause whatever they did, whatever they've been doing for a month and a half is working, but this race is going to be so close that I wonder if at any point they do regret selling Paul Seawald or not making a stronger push there. Yeah. Like, I'm in wait and see mode there. I mean, I know they're eight and two in their last 10 games here and they've been on the surge since the deadline and selling off their star closer. Um, but I'm, I'm in wait and see mode because uh, if I don't know if they can necessarily keep this up, um, but you got to admit since the deadline, not many people could have seen this coming because the, the Mariners basically looked like they were for lack of a better phrase, dead in the water yeah. um, and bounce back. They're only six games out of that division, by the way, which if you would ask me that a month ago, would not have seen that coming. They just seemed like they were trending in the wrong direction. But um, yeah, I I think they, they handled that deadline about as well as they could have. I thought maybe a Tiasca Hernandez trait was going to happen at some yeah. point, but ultimately it did not. But here they are now, the surging Mariners, and who knows? With them trending up and the Angels trending down, is it possible that postseason baseball could be back in Seattle again? Who knows? But it's at least like looking like a legit possibility at this point. Well, they deserve better than what they had to watch last year, which was a four hour, one nothing playoff loss. That was brutal. That was brutal. <laughs> During was, which people were just kind of, I mean, it didn't even feel like a baseball game. No, I just, I, I remember watching that and just being like, somebody's got to score eventually. Right. And lo, lo and behold, they, the Astros did. But um, yeah, that was. I don't remember a postseason game like that ever, especially since it had been that long since a postseason game it had, had been played there. As a first game, like that's that's absolutely banana land crazy. Yeah, you want to talk about a kick to the groin, a, a game where you lose <laughs> and the series is over, and you kind of just leave it being like, "Oh, glad that's over," because that was really boring. That was ruining my day in in many ways. Like you're just kind of it's a relief. It's like, oh my gosh, a guy I hate homered. Now I can go home. Yeah, basically, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't there covering that game either. That would have been that would have been, as you said, a, basically like a kick to the groin. Uh, yeah, no bad. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Also, did your World Series favorite change at the trade deadline? Because uh, I've thought about this. I've rolled this over. And my answer is no. Um, I had the Atlanta Braves before the deadline. I am sticking with the Atlanta Braves now. But my American League favorite has changed who is it i i now think with justin verlander the astros are last year's astros and i'm just gonna i don't you gotta show me you can beat them and, and until you do that i'm gonna put them in the world series but i do think um i think the atlanta Braves should were favored for me before the deadline didn't you know blow things up or shatter the world but i still think they deserved and nobody overtook them yeah, I'm I'm in total agreement. That's gonna sound incredibly boring uh for content purposes. Well, we were wrong all preseason, so maybe we're wrong now. 
Yeah, watch those both both those teams are going to end up getting eliminated in the first round. That's just that's basically how our predictions have gone this year. Uh, but I am also team Atlanta Braves over the Houston Astros in the World Series. That's that's what I have right now. Um, just the both those teams, especially the Braves at this point, just look like complete juggernauts. Um, I, I don't know what team necessarily is able to take them down in the National League. Maybe it's the Dodgers. Maybe it's the Phillies. Maybe it's Maybe it's somebody in the NL Central who knows, but um, the Braves right now look like the clear-cut favorite in the NL for me, for sure. Philly shocked me when they did it last year, so I'm not ruling it out. But, uh, yeah, a lot of scrappy teams fighting out for that wild-card spot while the Atlanta Braves just go ahead and mash uh, everywhere they go. Red Sox took care of them a couple weeks ago. Cubs took care of them over the weekend, but uh, that did not change my take. No, I'm, I'm right there with you, too. And, and I know, like... You you had mentioned Philly. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump segments here on us because yeah. I'll I'll do it. Is the I thought the Justin or not the Justin Turner, but the trade what what the Philly fans did for Trey Turner and doing the standing ovation for him and in trying to get I don't know him jump started with the show of support. I thought that was freaking awesome. And uh, obviously he hit the home run the other day and he did the curtain call and the fans just went absolutely nuts. Um, they like you saw Trey Turner take like go and like buy a billboard as a show of support and saying thank yeah. you for doing that. Bryce Harper, other players went on the record and just like how awesome is this? And I feel like it it kind of underscores um, that Philly fans are misunderstood. And I know they have this reputation of being tough and and blunt and brutal and like do they earn that reputation? Yeah, but they're also like extremely passionate fans. And I feel like I have a decent understanding of Philly fans because I'm an Eagles fan mm-hmm. and they care and they will let you know if you're doing well, they'll let you know if you're doing bad. They're not afraid to hide it at all, but they care about their sports teams a lot. They care about their players. And I think it really showed up here with what they did for Trey Turner. And it would not surprise me at all if he ended up finishing the season really strong going on a run and if they do d- make a deep postseason run, watch him be the guy who leads them in it on that run. It's, he's talented enough to do it. Finally, getting some confidence back now. I think they're they're a team that we need to watch very closely over the next few months. It's a long marriage, too, right? So you know, if if you're if you're talking about players that the fans are going to have to come together to support, it's pretty obvious why during year one of eleven of Trey Turner why they made an extra special effort to say we got to change this narrative and quickly. And uh, if, if Trey Turner does turn around and deliver in August, September and October for the ages, um, I just, Aaron Boone loves playing old footage for the Yankees, like loves to uh, remember they played the Oh four Red Sox comeback last October for absolutely no reason. Um, Maybe play that footage of Trey Turner getting a standing ovation for the fans and then play the video of Carlos Rodon getting booed off the mound injured and just like the, put a big thinking face emoji on it and, and keep that on the big board for the whole pregame. Yeah, I'll tell you, that crossed my mind totally is is how those two situations were just handled totally differently. And I, I wonder where Rodon's confidence and what he's thinking after all that. That just – clearly he heard it clearly like that's just god i i felt bad for the guy like that's another thing too is i think that we get lost that these athletes are also people uh they have feelings just like us 
I know they're paid a lot more than the typical person, but um, they're people and um, we, we shouldn't do that. I, I think that was a, a really bad look all around. Um, not just picking on Yankees fans. I know that happens elsewhere, but yeah. it just sucks. But um, yeah, I could go on a long tangent about that, but you, you get my thoughts. Yeah, no, it was, it was bad. Um, and, and athletes like this, spoiler alert, you're never going to be able to convince some people of this. But uh, athletes don't want to suck. So, like, if if you're booing them, they're booing themselves, too. And, and I think Carlos Rodon can take it. I think he's the right guy. The right guy. Yeah, he, like, he doesn't deserve that. But he can absorb it. Uh, there are some who can't. I think he's as frustrated with you as, as you are with him right now watching how this is playing out. I think this year is kind of a wash. But I'm not ruling him out for making the rest of that contract look very palatable of course he is signed for the same contract that freddie freeman is on the dodgers making and that is somebody the yankees theoretically could have had using that money but they they don't they have carlos Rodon. so i get it yeah no that's it's a great shout you're you're i i think next year is going to be a totally different year for him uh i think once he's healthy can put this year behind him I think that contract will be looking better. But this year, it's been a struggle, of course, but a lot of ball game left. That much, I'll say. A lot of ball game left. We understand if you slept through Saturday night's action, you'd be just like Tim Anderson if you did, who got sleepered by Jose Ramirez in the middle of the game. We can't leave without talking about this. I mean, I wish we could do who won the fight earnestly, but, like, Tim Anderson had a good stance, right? A good old 1890s boxer stance. But he got clocked in the head. Uh, he fell over, which is bad. That kind of ends a fight automatically if you fall over. Fight's done. And he got the biggest suspension out of anybody. The suspension's just dropped. And he went ahead and got six games. And, and Ramirez goes and gets three. Um, Tom Hamilton, also a winner. If you were not listening to the Cleveland radio broadcaster, now you are. Because apparently in every clubhouse... Uh, in both the Yankees and Astros clubhouses yesterday, I know local reporters saying players are walking around saying down goes Anderson. So shout out to Tom Hamilton because that's going uh, a radio call going viral. How is this 2023? I don't know. But uh, Anderson tweeting through it, unfortunately, logging on to X to continue typing stuff over and over about this fight Bad. that he did not win. Um, I think pretty monumentally the loser in this situation. Oh, he's absolutely the loser in this situation is, is instigating then trying to get a fight going. Well, the fight happened and uh, one punch and he was down and then he was seen on video stumbling. Uh, it looked like he got his clock clean basically. Um, and yeah. And then going on Twitter the next day, it was that was rough. That was a really bad look overall, and he ended up getting the biggest suspension of them all. And it just kind of felt like a long time coming because it just feels like there's been more frustration with Anderson, not just with the White Sox, but like throughout the league. There, I know there was certain teams who were not even considering him at the deadline because they did just didn't want him. Um, and yeah, it's that was a long time coming, and. Now he's got to pay the price, and the White Sox continue to trend down. Like Keenan Middleton's comments last night to ESPN, extremely damning. Um, but this was the latest example of just how bad that culture is in, in Chicago right now. 
Keenan Middleton looking good too. What a pickup by uh, the cash god, Brian Cashman. Uh, I mean, does this impact? How has Tim Anderson's offseason been impacted? Obviously, no one is going to. Oh, well, maybe not. I, I I don't know if anyone's going to rule him out because he got punched and, and knocked to the ground. But bad season, powerless season, and and entering free agency on the lowest note possible. I think he's going to be in for a rude awakening in free agency. Um, that he feels like a very prime candidate to get a one year contract. I'm 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 going to call my shot there right now. That's I think that's where this is trending. And that is so crazy after the last couple of years. Oh, it absolutely is, but it's it's yeah, yeah. He's he's got a he's got to fix his reputation in the game right now. I, I think he needs to do that. He also needs to perform better and a very strong candidate for a one year deal. I don't know with who, um, but one year deal sounds about right. After the Field of Dreams game in 2021, he spent like three weeks as the face of baseball, and now he is in one year deal territory subtracting significant war from his team like Cody Bellinger just two years later. Kind of nuts. It absolutely is nuts. And and Justin, uh, uh, considering him as a thought or as an option for Milwaukee, if they do trade Adamas, not the worst idea in the world. Um, I, I could absolutely see like the Brewers entertaining trades for Adamas or Corbin Burns in the off season because, um, that would give them ample time to like replace those guys on the roster. Um, and it would also ensure that they get a really good haul in return for like one of those guys, at least um, instead of moving them at the deadline for what would be a, like a much lesser package. Um, I don't know that. I think Milwaukee is a team to watch. Um, they, I don't, I just don't think they have the money necessarily to like retain both or even possibly either of those guys. So I think they're going to be hit up quite a bit about trade talks for both Adamas and Burns. I'll leave it at that. Well, thank you for joining us today, everyone. We hope we floored you like a Jose Ramirez right hook, and there will be plenty more content to come as the summer moves. Oh, time me out, baby. Go. Yeah, no, I want to correct this, Justin. Uh, that is not true. Uh, Boris and the Brewers, specifically Mark Athanasio, their owner, have a very good relationship. That, that much I know is a 100% fact. Well, there you go. Um, we're never going to get through a whole episode without spitting uh, 100% facts here on the Baseball <laughs> Insiders. And it's good to get one in at the horn. But thanks, Justin. Thanks to everybody for making the comment section electric today. I saw some discussion uh, of how to get into the Discord. Uh, the people involved in the Baseball Insiders will help you out in that regard. If you want to join us, join the conversation Again, this episode is presented by DraftKings. If you are a new user and you are physically present in a legal gambling state and you're over 21, you don't have to tell your mom. Sign up for DraftKings using that code BASEBALLINSIDER. Uh, we got a lot of great content cut up in the next couple weeks, months before the postseason. We've got special guests on the horizon. Pull back the curtain a little bit. Some of these episodes, some of these live streams might have some big names attached in the coming weeks to get you some localized coverage. So stay tuned for that. We will certainly keep you posted as that develops. But today, just me and Robert Murray chopping it up, chatting ball, and uh, enjoying the boxing ring that Progressive Field became on Saturday night. Yeah, I'm I'm here for it. That was the, probably the best punch baseball has seen since uh, Odor and Justin Bautista. Um, who knows if we top it again this year, but Adam, great show today. I appreciate you as always. Everybody in the comments, 
thank you. Uh, please join that Discord. That allows me to eat food, um, the food I like, and live a normal life. Uh, same with Adam, too. Uh, we really appreciate you guys. Uh, Adam, thank you. Joanne, our producer, thank you as always. Uh, what, see you Thursday, Adam? I'll be back here Thursday. So will you. Hopefully so will everybody in the comment section. Yep, that's the only way I can eat food is by uh, everybody joining the Discord. I, I think we've made that very clear, and it is accurate. So we really hope that everybody will let me eat, let you eat, let us eat scoops, and we will see you right back here on Thursday afternoon at 3.30 Eastern on all podcast platforms if you miss it. Thanks, everybody, for joining. We'll catch you later. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.